I'll tell you exactly what happened. I don't have a clue what happened to me. Nobody witnessed it. I have no memory of anything. Just that when they finally got me, I guess I, y'all want to know the story, don't you? Okay. I woke up in the middle of the night thinking I was dying, and I was laying on my back, which I never do, and I couldn't move. I couldn't get anybody to help me. I mean, I, there was just, I finally get my phone where I can shine a light, you know, a little bit, and there's just blood everywhere. The bed is, is there's a lot of blood, okay, it's a lot of blood, and uh and I tried to text Jerry because he was asleep upstairs and it didn't, didn't work. So I lay there. I wake up around 4.15, I guess, and because uh, it took me about 15 minutes to get my phone, and it was 4.30 when I looked at the phone. So anyway, I um, finally, they come in. Amy was there, too. Um, and that was at like 4 a.m., on a Sunday morning. Okay, whatever time. Like I said, I can't remember. So, um, but anyhow, they took. They tried to take me in an ambulance, which was a single cab truck with a camper shell on the back, and they put me on the backboard, and I made it about as far from here to the bathrooms out there before I come escaped that thing. Um, it, and when I finally jumped out of that ambulance. I started projectile vomiting uncontrollably. Just, it was, um, they get me to the hospital, they do x-rays and they find fractures in my neck and in my collarbone. And you could actually see my collarbone. I mean, Jerry said, that's what it is. He said, that collarbone's broken because it was kind of sticking up and you could visibly see. So anyway, so they wanted to medevac me to Gaborone. Um, which in Africa is spelled, is pronounced Haberoni. But um, they said, we need $8,000. Okay, and so I did. And church didn't pay for that, don't worry. <laughs> that, was, that was my mistake, you know. So anyhow, um, so a friend of mine named Koki, he flew with me. And um, when we get there, they take x-rays, and they said, these are not the same x-rays, not the same person, because there was nothing broken. Between the time that we had the first x-ray and the time I flew over across Botswana and had the other x-rays, y'all were having church. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you. The deal is, they did a... CAT scan to make sure I didn't have any brain bleeds or anything like that. Didn't, then they wanted to do an MRI, but they couldn't because I have metal in my body, and over there the MRI machines are pretty primitive, and they'll just pull the metal straight through your whatever it is and pull it out. And uh, so they couldn't do it. And, you know, they just gave me some medicine, and, 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 I mean, God healed me, but I still hurt. I still hurt right now. I'm hurting. But you know what? When you realize you're in a fight, 
it don't bother you near as bad. It just doesn't. Paul said the fight was what? Good. It's a good fight. It's not a bad fight. It's a good fight. People say, well, Jesus didn't fight. Jesus sat down and he went and he weaved his own whip. He didn't ask for Peter, John, anybody to help him. He did it himself. And he went in there with multiple people, dozens of people in that place, and he ran every one of them out. You think he didn't hit someone with that whip? Why would he, why would he make a weapon and not use it? No weapon used against you shall prosper. But I'm telling you what, when you get on the wrong side of things, we need to realize that we're in a fight. A week later, they had to cut my wife and my daughter out of a car. You think that's not an attack? Do you think that's not a demonic attack upon our family and upon our church family as well? We can't tolerate that. You've got to realize that you're in a fight. It's a fight for someone's life, not necessarily yours, but you've got to fight it for somebody else. And we, we just back away. You'll not find a Rambo in Christian churches. Just won't. Why? Because he likes to fight. Most churches, they don't want to fight. Unless it's with each other. I'm, if I'm wrong, just say, hey, you're wrong, and I'll shut up. <gasps> anyway, this morning I was headed to church, and um, you know, I've, got, I've got a weird musical sense. I was listening to Bob Dylan, I was listening to the Rolling Stones, and then I'd be on my playlist, and then all of a sudden Lecrae comes on. Let me tell you what, I am a 60-year-old white pastor in the South, Okay. We're looking at a 30-year-old black rap artist, and I relate to him more than I do any Christian musician out there anywhere. Figure that one out. Why? Because he speaks truth, and he knows he's in a fight, and he's not afraid to. That appeals to me. He, he wrote a song that's called Go Hard. Good song. Good song. Go hard or go home. This, in other words, it, I get the, the way that, I'll put, tell you what, this is what I named today's message. Christianity is not for sissies. It's for men and women of God to stand up, put on the whole armor of God. He didn't give you an armor of God because if you didn't need it, right? But we don't fight. We don't fight enough. I'm not talking about fighting with each other. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. Where, to the point where you fight because demonic attacks are coming at you because of who you're trying to reach. Well, I didn't want to jump in this this quick. I wanted to kind of ease into it, but I just, it just I have a hard time easing. Tell what happened in Botswana. Okay. That's what I wrote down in my notes. Love Botswana ministry is one of the, it's, it's changed the entire nation. The, the nation of Botswana is almost the size of Texas. And there's only 2.2 million people in the entire nation. There's a, over 140,000 elephants. That's an elephant for every 11 to 12 people in the nation. It's rural. It's vast. It's wild. It's untamed. The wildest place on earth is the Yokomongo Delta. 
There's over 100 tribes in the Delta that have never heard the gospel of Jesus. We don't even, there are tribes in there that have never seen a white person. They don't know they exist. And the reason that it's that way is because it's too hard, it's too rough, and it's too expensive, and it's too stinking dangerous to go in there. It is the wildest place. You are at the lowest end of the food chain when you're there. I'm just being honest with you. Man, I was, I, we were at camp one night, at base camp, and, and my tent's right on the edge of the Okavango River. I mean, it's just like from here to that wall from the river, okay? Now, I have a bathroom, which has not got any walls. It's outdoor, and it's like 40 degrees outside. You try to take a hot shower in that, and you, you're talking about yelling and screaming and hollering. People think you got the Holy Ghost, boy, when you're just freezing to death. But anyhow... So, and then my bathroom is like this far from the river. And I'm standing there, you know, fixing to go to bed, so you know what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm there, and all of a sudden I hear, I went, oh, God. And I just looked over, you know, and right here I can see the water rippling. And then I hear this hippo go, I went, I'm going to get eaten by a hippo while I'm using the bathroom. I want to die a cool death, but, but not, not like this. You got to go to the dangerous places to be a dangerous person. You got to go there. You've got to get things done that other people won't do. You got to say, yeah, I'll go, to, yeah, I'll, I'll go 20 miles down that river and go preach for... To a bunch of people who never heard it. Well, you know, they, they may not like you. Well, they're still there. And there's still a fight to be in. And I'm not a sissy. Devil can try anything he wants to do. I will, I will die fighting before I ever give up. That's the mentality that Christians need to have. But we don't. And we have to turn that around and turn that around. We've got to reach the unreachable at any cost. Doesn't matter what it is. Because that's the reason we're here. We're not here to collect a retirement check. We're not here for Social Security. We're not here for a disability. We're not here for a, a, a better job. We're here because there's people lot dying and going to hell. And the church is turning their back on them because it's too tough to get to. Or they're going to hurt our feelings. Come on, am I wrong? Am I I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm trying to step on everybody. I'm trying to step on the church's toes because there's a lost and dying world that we, the church has forgotten about. They've forgotten about it. I have not even got any, anywhere in my message. But anyway, and... Uh, Jerry and Jan Lackey are now Ginger and I are pastors. We have they have sim very similar histories that we do. I mean, T.L. convinced them to go to Botswana years and years and years ago. Uh, it, Rob was real. That's how I met Jerry was through Rob Carmen and and anyway. But but anyway, they, he he thinks differently. You know, Rob's a man's man. Jerry is too. Don't get me wrong, but he's very soft spoken and he avoids controversy and he attacks things from a different angle than anybody else I've ever seen me I'm just 
Oh, no, and it's bull in the china closet right out the front door, kick it down, storm the gates, whatever it takes, you know. Jerry's very strategic in his thinking. And I need that in my life. I need to be able to strategize to see the best way to accomplish the task. And Jerry is in my life because he knows how to do it. We're attacking that. We're attacking that, the Delta. Just think about it. That may be the place that the last person lives that hadn't heard the gospel. And when he hears it, boom, rapture. Wouldn't you want to be a part of it? Hey, we were all over that thing. What are the odds that could happen? They're pretty slim, but they're still odds. I don't know many places in the world where there's not. Jerry found a tribe in the Kalahari Desert that clicks. That's how they talk. Jerry had to preach a message with an interpreter going. And they understood. Very small tribe. But salvation came to that tribe. Oh, man, y'all don't love Africa like I do. And I get it. I get it. But I just, I just love the wildness of it. I love the adventure of it. And I love the authentic Christianity that I've only found there. You'll be sitting around, you know, campfire or whatever. All of a sudden, one of them will break out in a song. The whole bunch just start singing. They raise their hand and they start praising God. And they'll do it for hours. I was in my tent about to go to sleep. And they were in their tents. And all of a sudden, I heard one of them break out in a song in a tent by themselves. What happened? Everybody else starts singing along with them. They, it's, a, it's a way of life. It's not praise and worship. It's life. That's the difference. We have to set aside a time for praise and worship, and they live a life of praise and worship. You wonder why I want to go so much? Authentic Christianity. And they're not sissies. And I'm not saying that you guys are. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have to change the way that we do things or we're never going to make it to where we need to be. I want to bring about the rapture. It ain't up to God and it ain't up to Jesus. It's up to us when the rapture happens. Let's get serious about it. Let's get serious about it. All right. Hey. <laughs> this is a y'all have heard this before but I'm going to say it again either he is Lord of all or he's not at all if you think he's Lord of your salvation and he's not Lord over your finances he's not Lord over your salvation if, he, if you think he's Lord over your salvation but he's not Lord over all your healing you're wrong Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He'll direct your path. That's funny. My, that was my father's life verse and it's my life verse and that's Joel's life verse. I've never seen a verse that had that much life. You know, three, three generations. You know, but it's simple. If you don't acknowledge Him in everything that you... He's not Lord over everything. And if He's not Lord over all, He's Lord not at all. Are you with me? People say, you know, you spend a lot of money. I said, I give a lot of money. 
And it just keeps getting more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Why? Because it works. I'm not doing it to get more. I'm doing it because those in lack don't have to walk in lack if I walk in abundance. I'm not walking in abundance for me. I'm walking in abundance for somebody else. Got it? You don't live your life for you. You live your life for someone else. They overcome, they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I, I'm, I'm setting you up here for, I'm setting you up. Okay? I'm just setting you up. I get criticized a lot for, for going and, and doing some of the things I do, and that's okay. I mean, you know how I am about critics. All they are is people with opinions. They assume things. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out the key words, and y'all know what I'm, I'm, I'm headed at, right? But anyway, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're critics. They're, they criticize. That's what they do. But they've got to realize that Christianity is not a hobby to me. If it was, I would be up here talking about salvation. You need to get saved. 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 To a bunch of people that are saved, 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 saved. I've never understood that concept. I can be talking about a Ford pickup truck. The anointing is there. That's what breaks the yoke of bondage and gets people saved. But when you, when you t take that and add that to a story that's happened in your life where God delivered you from something, and, you've, and you say, if it were not for Jesus, I'd be dead. If it were not for power of prayer, I would not be here. Come on now. I'm preaching way better than y'all listening. Buying a plane ticket tomorrow. They like my preaching. I'm joking. So what do we do? What do we do? We jump out and we get ahead of what God has for us sometimes. Correct? I know I have. And it's a dangerous place to be. But what's more dangerous is waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm not going to get ahead of God. Oh, I'm not going to get ahead of God. You don't want to get ahead of God. But if something drops in your spirit to get done, you do it. That is not getting ahead of God. That's God giving you something and you moving towards it. Getting ahead of God is not saying, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to, you know, be a missionary in Egypt. Well, that's pretty extreme. No. That's the norm. That's the norm. Why did I say Egypt? My God. What did Moses do when he found out he was a Hebrew? What did he do? Paul Trokel taught me this, and that's the last time I'm using his name in the pulpit. No, I'm joking. I love Paul. Paul's going to come and do a, a three-series study on us on how to break the spirit of poverty. Over your lives and over your family's lives. It's one of the best, the best series I've ever listened to in my entire life. It changed the way I saw a lot of things. But anyway, uh, 
Moses found out that he was not an Egyptian prince, that he was a Hebrew. And what did he do? He went to the Hebrews and he tried living with them, and then he saw an Egyptian beating a slave. So what did he do? He got ahead of God. Went up there and he killed him. Right? Just because this is who you are, that don't mean you have to do this. Because what happened? Moses got ahead of God's plan and it set it back 40 years. Everybody knew who Moses was. Before he was born, there's a deliverer on the way. Moses here, there's a deliverer. You know? and, and if he would have acted like a deliverer instead of a defender of his people, those people would not, may not have been in slavery for another 40. What did he do after that? He roamed around the wilderness herding sheep and goats for the next 40 years of his life. I don't know if y'all have been around many sheep and goats, but they smell like sheep and goats. And so, uh, for 40 years, this man roamed with no direction in his life because he'd stepped ahead of what God had for him. And finally, God said, he's never going to listen. I'm going to have to do something amazing to get this guy on my back on track what my will for his life is. So we had a burning bush moment, holy ground, the whole bit. What did he do the next 40 years of his life? He led around people in the wilderness that didn't want to be there any more than sheep or goats did. So he, went, he was in training. He was herding those sheep and goats in the wilderness, but 40 years for another 40 years, he was herding those people that didn't really want to be there. You look at them, they're the most complaining bunch of people I've ever heard about in my life. They were in slavery for 400 years and they're griping about everything. Everything. That's what Moses had to put up with. It may have been totally different. He wouldn't have got ahead of God. I'm going to go back to this next week. It's not, it's not banging on you. I might go somewhere else. So, go to Matthew 25, the 14th verse. This is a parable of the talents. I want to go over this real quick before I get too, too, man, I'm trying to put too much at one time. I need to slow down. All right, this is Jesus talking, right? What's the first thing he says in verse 14? For the kingdom of heaven is like this. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he tells a parable of the three talents. He comes, he comes in, what does he do? Get five, five talents. Talents is money. But it's talk, what they're talking about. I'll read it. 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own, his, called a who? His own servants. The kingdom of heaven is like this, that the master was going to a foreign country and he called his own servants. Okay? So what we're talking about is Jesus talking about his servants. He called his servants, delivered his goods to them, and he gave one five talents, another two, and another one each according to his own ability. 
How did he know their ability? Wasn't the first time he's done this. He's watched them with money, and he was seeing which one was the best, and he gave the most to the person with the greatest ability. Am I wrong? All right, let's go. On abilities, where are we at? What verse, what verse, what verse, what verse? Ability and immediately he went on a journey. Then he received the five talents, went and traded with them and added another five. Likewise, the guy had two, he got two. Uh. Then the other one the, the one, the guy that got one, what did he do? He buried it in the ground. Verse 21, Jesus, uh, the, the, the Lord came back and he said to him, well done. It's talking about the guy with the five talents. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You were faithful over the few things. I will make you over, rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's the only thing the guy said. In verse 20, the only thing that that man said was, Lord, you delivered me five, to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides him. That's the only time that guy spoke. It's funny because the guy with two talents said the exact same thing. They hardly spoke at all. They did what they were supposed to do because the master gave them an order and he gave them something to invest into and they invested into it and they doubled everything. They doubled their money. Right? He said, enter in. Good and faithful servant of mine. Right? He was their servant, correct? Okay. I'm just saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The man who received one talent, verse 24, came and said. He didn't give him anything. He first started out with his mouth open and talk, talking about he removed all doubt that he was worthless when he started speaking instead of showing what he'd done. All right, then he started speaking. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. This is, this, is, this is his servant. This is the master servant. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. We need to get more serious. I'm trying to, I'm trying to show you the importance of your intensity of your in Christianity. It's what Jesus said to his, the master says to his servant. You know, the guy talked and talked and talked and talked, but he didn't deliver anything. Kind of like critics. Jesus said in 26 verse, he said, you wicked and lazy servant. This is the master. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like for unproductive people. If you think differently, show me another place in the Bible when it's totally different than this. It's not. This is what it is. This is what it says. This is Jesus talking. If, if you've got a, one of these right here, it's all in red. Jesus said this, and this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And the guy that's unproductive, he called him wicked and lazy. And he also said, if you go on down to the 30th verse, it says that he cast him into outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Look at verse 30. Go to verse 30 real quick. Cast the unprofitable servant. The kingdom of heaven is like this, the master and his servant. 
Quit being, quit thinking you're so safe with an unproductive life because this is what happened to unproductive servants. Am I wrong or not? Is that what it says or is that what it doesn't say? Jesus does not tolerate non-productive people. Come on, you can leave afterwards, but you're going to hear it now. The kingdom of heaven is like, go to 14. Go to 14. What's it say? For the kingdom of heaven is like this. Own servants. Delivered goods to them. God has delivered the goods to you. The goods are inside of you. But you're in a fight. Realize it and use what you've got. Be productive and get that well done. Instead of, well, what have you done? The kingdom of heaven is light. We don't, we don't teach this. We don't preach this. The kingdom of heaven is like, man, there's pea gravel on the road. We got pearly gates. We got diamonds. We've got Jim. Got a crown. No, this is what Jesus said the heaven of, kingdom of heaven is like. Not what, not that. Come on. Productivity. Authentic Christianity where you're in a constant state of praise and of worship and you don't just have to set time aside. All right, I'm going to set 30 minutes a day and I'm going to go. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're aware of your surroundings, you're aware that you're in the kingdom of heaven. Every single day, no matter where you go, you're representing the kingdom. The kingdom is in you. T.L. Osborne said that the kingdom means the king in me. I am the kingdom of God. What comes out of me comes out of the kingdom of God. Are you with? Are you? Come on now. Come on. I know. I know this is not popular. And I know that you don't like it. And we want to jump off from that sea of grace and just hide. That's not where Christians are supposed to be. Christians are supposed to show grace, not get it. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. If you are in the fight and you're being productive, grace follows you. You don't have to chase after it. You have to show it. Then it will be shown to you. Give and it shall be given. A spiritual law. The measure in which you give. The measure of grace that you give is given back to you. Come, oh, I can do this all day long. And I ain't even, I'm totally, my notes are screaming at me. Come back, come back. But I'm just, I'm just telling you how important this is. We don't even realize there's a fight and our entire future is judged on how we do in that fight. Come on. There's people busting hell wide open and we're up in here. Oh, God. And you know what we should be? But we should also, be, for the amount of time you spend in, in, in praise and worship, you need to triple that time in soul winning. You're just connected to God. You're not connecting people to God. And that's why we're here. It's all about me, me, me. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm going to give and I'm going to get it back. I'm going to walk in prosperity. I'm going to have 14 Mercedes Benz. Oh my gosh, people miss it. They have screwed up the prosperity message so bad in America that it's about money. It's not about the blessing of God at all. I get so frustrated. 
Because I see people with nothing that have a greater relationship with Jesus than I have ever had in my life. I'm being honest. I'm just being honest. And I want that more and more and more. Can you tell I just got home? Whew. I'm going to stay off of this because I think I've just beat y'all up and it was not my point. I just want you to realize that how we respond to the loss determines our future. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a man had servants went to a foreign country leaving them. Doesn't that sound like that when Jesus Left here. He left you gifts. One day he's going to come back and find out what did you do with the gift that you had. Exactly like these three dudes. What you going to say? What you going to do? Well, I led, a part, I led somebody to the Lord in 1984. And really? What did you do in 2004? What did you do in 2024? What we need to aim higher. Aim higher. Oh, what time is it? Ah! John 21. I'm going to read this. So how is productivity, productivity judged in Christianity? How is it done? Jesus gives us a really easy way to look at this. In John 21, the 15th verse, He's talking to Peter. This is the last time he appeared to the disciples. So he looked at Peter and he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than everybody else? All these disciples, do you love me more than they do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Lord. You know I love you. What did he say? Said, feed my feed my lambs. Three times, three times between the fifteenth and the seventeenth verse, three times Jesus asked Peter, "Do you really love me?" Yes. Feed my sheep. Let me tell you something. He wasn't just talking about Christians because where did he come from? Where was he? Where was Jesus supposed to minister? The lost sheep of Israel. He's talking about humanity. He's not talking about Christianity only. Are you, are you with me? Come on, that's a, that's a big revelation to get right there. That's a big thing to get. You're not, we are not just called to the church. We're called to everybody. God sent us to an unholy world to make people holy. You think that's not a fight? You think that's not, you know, uh, the devil trying to break, break Amy? I'm telling you, I thought Amy was dead. We prayed. I couldn't pick that thing up. That gate is seven by 14 made out of two-inch square tubing. I don't know how much it weighs, but it's way over 500 pounds. I grabbed it, couldn't pick it up. I prayed. 
got it with one hand, helped Amy get out, and we went on. What would have happened if I wouldn't have been prayed up before she fell down like that? We'd had to wait for somebody to come along. And, and, and I don't know, I thought she was dead anyway at the time. And she was unconscious and she was in and out and she was, you know, but, but you know, I'm reading a book on David Livingstone, about David Livingstone and, and, and he said this, he said, you know, he was attacked by a lion. The lion had his teeth in him right here in the back, back here, you know, he was in the lion's mouth. And he just kept turning his head to the right, turning his head to the right, turning his head to the right, while his lion was attacking him. And the lion was picking him up and bam, and pounding him on the ground, trying to get him, trying to get to his throat, get him. And some natives with him had spears, and they, they ran the lion off. And he said this. He said that shock is God's grace. He said, I didn't feel nothing. I wasn't scared. I just knew I had to keep turning my head to the right. He said, when you see these, these, these lions attack these impalas, he said, those impalas go into shock, they don't feel anything. He said, he said, shock is a way of God showing us grace. I believe with all my heart that I don't remember anything that happened to me for a reason. I think that I went into shock. Uh, whatever happened, whoever knows. I, I, know, I don't know. Y'all don't know. The only person that knows is Jesus, I guess, or if it was somebody that did it to me. I don't know what happened. doesn't matter. All I know is y'all saved me. Y'all saved my life. But I knew there was in a fight. Now, I'm not a spiritual Rambo or anything like that, I'm, you know, but I ain't scared. I'm not. It's just not in my nature to fear anything. Even though there's things I should fear, maybe, you know. But it's just not in my nature. I just don't, I, I don't know why. But it's just not there. It used to be that way, but not anymore. Now, I'm, I don't care what happens. You know, the greatest day of my life will happen the day that I meet Jesus. Face to face. My death will be my greatest day up until this point in history. I don't fear it. I look forward to it. Now, I don't want to go today. Because I got stuff that I'm supposed to get done before I meet him. Because when I meet him, I want him to say, well done. Amen. Are you tired, Paul? Yes, sir. Good. You're one of the few. So if Jesus says, do you really love me? If you really love me, you're going to feed sheep. Saved and unsaved. You're going to feed the sheep. So with that being said, now I can get to my point when I'm out of time. A Christian's productivity is judged by soul winning. I'm going to end real quick. Soul winning. What was Jesus' last words on earth? Going to all the world. Win souls. After 
feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed me. He's telling us, I, the only way I see what you're doing is by what you bring to me. Yes. Not what I do for you. What you do for me is how I judge you. If your intentions are right, you get some points. But if you're strategic and you really get it done, you get plenty more. Next three years, we're going to plant 100 churches in Okavango Delta. Over 100. You know why? Because nobody else gives a hoot about those people. If they did, they would have already been reached. It's our job. It's our, respons it's our, it's our responsibility to reach these people. But it's also our responsibility to reach the people in this church. And I can promise you there's people sitting in this room that are going to bust hell wide open. If you, if you look at, at, at what Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not looking at anybody in particular, don't get me wrong. But I know that a building of this size, i got to shut this thing or I'll just keep preaching until you all fall leave. Quit talking to me. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm going to stop this. Bow your head, close your eyes. You know what? We're going to go back to the old school stuff. If there's somebody here that's never made Jesus the Lord of their life, and I'm talking about the Lord of all of their life, not just I want to get out of hell free card. I'm talking about I'm a Christian that is living for Jesus, that their solemn goal is to make Him happy and to reach people. That's salvation. That's what it is. Bow your head, close your eyes. Alright, open your eyes. Look at me. Do you know how foolish it, you feel? I used to do this, just make past, make preachers mad. When they'd say, bow your head and close your eyes, they'd go, We're bowing our head and are closing our eyes, not for us, but for someone else who may not have the courage to stand up on their own at that point. So bow your head and close your eyes. There's somebody here that, that, that Jesus is not the Lord of every part of their life. I want you to raise your hand. I, you, if, you do, if, you, if you don't get this, if you don't get this, you don't get this. There may be some other people here that, that say, you know what, I need to... to, to, to to rededicate my life, be stronger. I, I've, got, I've got to be able to reach people. I, don't, I can't reach people, so I've got, I need strength to learn how to do it. If that's you, raise your hand, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, these people that, that raise their hands, Father, I just, I just pray, Father, for salvation to come to them. Father, I ask for, I ask for, for the deeper walk, not deeper talk. A deeper walk for those that raise their hands, Father. That you look at them, that you look upon them as warriors, more than conquerors. Father, help them to see themselves as more than conquerors. Father, show them that the fight's a good fight. And there's going to be injuries, but we're never going to quit fighting. We'll never give up. We never give up. We never give up. Father, we love you. We thank you for everything that you do for us, Father. And we're going to do more for you.
in the future than we've ever done for, for, before, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey.